Grace, uh, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And once again, a happy Mother's Day to all of you who are celebrating Mother's Day. We love you. We're grateful for you. We're thankful for the love that you've given us in so many ways. And so we'll be praying for you a little bit more later on in the service, but just wanted to say thank you. Thank you, moms. All right? All right. We've been on a journey together, and on Easter, we talked about uh, a lot about the power that raised Jesus from the dead, being the same power that raised him from the dead being for us. And so we spent the last five weeks unpacking that concept of power through the book of Ephesians, looking at that, that power not only being for us, but that there is a power that we can tap into for peace. Power for peace, power to know and grasp God's love, power to surrender, power to stand, not only to stand in the trials and temptations of life, but also for us to stand up for something, namely God and his mission. And so we're entering into a little three-week series that is going to unpack that very mission. And it's connected to three great realities of the Christian church. The ascension of Jesus Christ, we're going to talk about that this week, Pentecost next week, and then Trinity Sunday the following week. But it's all going to be woven together around this one theme from Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and we're going to get there in a second. But I want to go back to where we started on Easter and on our More Power series, because it, it ties directly into this Sunday. This Sunday, it's Mother's Day, but it's also Ascension Sunday. Now, just to get it straight, what is Ascension Sunday? It, the Ascension of Jesus. It happened 40 days after he rose from the grave, 40 days after Easter. That would have been this past Thursday. And if you remember in the Ephesians text that we've unpacked the past five weeks and on Easter, St. Paul, in the beginning, he's writing to the Ephesians, and he's saying, I want you to know God. I want you to know God, and I want you to know, verse 19, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and then seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. God placed all things under his feet, under him, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Our statue over in the historic sanctuary, you've seen this before, right? Our statue of Jesus depicts this, the ascended Lord Jesus over all the universe. You see him standing on the blue globe. It's not the earth. It is the universe, and so the power that not only raised Jesus from the dead, but caused him to ascend to the heavenly realms, to all authority over everything, that same power is for us. But as we've been talking about, sometimes, over the past five weeks we've been talking, sometimes we have a trouble plugging in to that power. We plug into our cell phones five, seven, eight, ten times a day. Sometimes we get confused about plugging into the power of God. <clears throat> I was thinking about this a little bit, and it kind of reminded me of a story. It's kind of a cheesy story, so I hope you'll bear with me a little bit, but maybe you've heard it before. It's a story of four people. Maybe you've heard it. Everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Ever heard that story before? Okay. It's the title of the story is Whose Job Is It Anyway? And it goes like this. There was an important job to be done. Everybody. 
Everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Now, anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. So somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. And it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. You heard that before? I know. It got a little confusing, too. I hope I read it right. The message is clear, though. No one took responsibility, so nothing got accomplished. Have you ever seen that happen before in any sort of situation? It happens in families. It happens in the workplace. And guess what, my friends? It happens even in the church often. Everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. And from a leadership perspective, from a systems perspective, from a management perspective, I've seen it happen many times, and I have been guilty of it many times. Like if you come to a meeting, and you just talk, and talk the whole time, and you don't sign any set person a task and a follow-up, nothing gets done, right? Like just for worship. We, have, we do this all the time. We'll meet together with the worship team. Okay, Marco, why don't you email the team this, that? Pastor Nathan, are you going to finish organizing this and get it done by next Tuesday? David Cruz, we're going to have these uh, separate mi- microphones set up for this. Yeah, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to get with the communications team and talk about this thing for this sermon series. On down the line. In order to get stuff done, you can't just let everybody or somebody or anybody handle it, Right? Because then nobody's going to do it. Now, at this point, you're wondering, how does this tie into the ascension? And it's Mother's Day, Pastor Mike. Remember that? Okay, we'll get there. Let's take a look. If you remember, there are four Gospels, right, in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, the Gospel of Luke actually has a Luke part two, which is called the book of Acts. And so at the end of Luke and at the beginning of Acts, we see Jesus ascend. So Jesus rose from the dead, Easter, he appeared to the disciples, and then at the end of the Gospel of Luke, it says this, verse 46, he told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And so when he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and he was taken up into heaven. That's the image. The ascended Lord Jesus blessing us as he ascends to the right hand of the Father. Verse 52 continues and says, Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They stayed continually at the temple praising God. And so Jesus, at the ascension, is reminding his disciples of his mission and in turn their mission. And he's saying, this is where the power comes from. And he blesses them. He's taken into heaven. And so then at the book of Acts, which is Luke part 2, the story continues and Luke fleshes it out a little bit more. Acts chapter 1 says this, in my former book, so, Gospel of Luke, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, the ascension. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them, gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a, 40, a period of 40 days, spoke about the kingdom of God. 
And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're thinking worldly terms. They're thinking government. They're thinking politics. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into the heavens. So, how does the whole everybody, somebody, anybody, nobody story tie into this? Did you see what happened there in Acts chapter 1 verse 8? Jesus didn't say this. He didn't say everybody will be my witnesses. He didn't say somebody will be my witnesses. He didn't say anybody will be my witness. And he definitely didn't say nobody will be my witness. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he said very specific, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you and what does it say? You, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, you will be my witnesses. Not everybody, not somebody, not anybody, not nobody, but you. You will be my witnesses. Not just the pastor, not just the principal, not just the teachers, not just the parents, not just the elders, not just the experience, not just the person sitting next to me, not just the person who's really good at it, but you. That's someone, right? Good job, my friend. Someone is you. He said, you, you as an individual and you as a church, you will be my witnesses. And what's a witness? A witness is basically you've seen something in your life or you've experienced something in your life and you tell somebody else about it. Just this past Thursday on Ascension Day, I had an opportunity to witness to a new friend of mine. It wasn't big. It wasn't huge. It wasn't crazy. It wasn't some weird thing. All I did was I said, you know, when I started reading God's word back in high school, and listening to Jesus speak into my life, and, and God touched my heart through his word, God totally changed the trajectory of my entire life. I said to my new friend, I'm telling you, it's been the best thing for me. And I'm telling you, witnessing to my new friend on Thursday was the highlight of my entire day. You will be my witnesses. St. John's, we say, connect to God, grow together, share Christ. We share Christ with our words. That means we tell people about Jesus. We say, my life is better because of Jesus. And we say, this is how. We have spiritual conversations. And much of our leadership here at St. John's, and I personally believe that this is an area that we are going to be growing in in the years to come. But I want you to know that there is great work happening right now in our family, in this area. And so I'd like to invite my friend, Mary Salgado. Come on up, Mary. Come on up. We're going to do a little something different today. Does anybody know Mary Salgado? Yeah. You're going to get to know her a little better. Mary, have a seat. All right. Glad you're up here. All right. And Mary Salgado 
I've known Mary since I've come here, I think, for eight years or something like that. Yeah. And uh, Mary, you see her at a lot of Bible studies. She's serving in different ways and uh, children's ministry, all sorts of other ministries. She's going to talk to a little bit. But lately, uh, Mary and I have been talking a little bit more about what it means to be a witness and how God has been using her to witness to others about who Jesus is and how Jesus has changed her life. So Mary, I'd like you just to share uh, with us a little bit about how you've been able to be a witness for Jesus. Sure. Thank you, Pastor Mike. You're welcome. And good morning, everyone. Um, I would like to start um, just by sharing a little bit about my background. Um, I've been a member of St. John's for about 17 years. I was living in Northern California when my marriage of 20 years ended in divorce. And even though I grew up here in Orange County, I really didn't want to move back here. But little did I know what God had in store for me. So I came back broken and without an identity. I started coming to church here. And the more I came here, I was like, I really like these people. I want to get to know them better. I want to get to know the people that work here. But more importantly, I wanted to know God. I was volunteering with Children's Ministry when Jeanette Singer invited me to attend a conference with her about children in the foster care system. The main speaker was a judge who presided over the juvenile courts, and he was very compassionate about some of the cases that were coming before him that dealt with kids in the foster care system. He was making his plea to the churches in the room that he wanted our help with these foster kids. And I remember at that moment making the decision that if this was God's will, I wanted to serve him in this ministry. Shortly after that, I was invited to be a volunteer at a weekend camp for kids in the foster care system. The teens were very transparent and honest about the abuse and neglect that they had experienced in their very short lives. I didn't understand how or why any kid would be put in this position, but what I saw and experienced at that camp was the power of God's love. As volunteers, we listened to them, we encouraged them, we shared the love of Christ with them, and we made them feel valued. Recently, currently I'm volunteering with a group called Young Life, and we, we meet once a week with foster teens. We play silly games with them, we share a meal with them, and then we share the gospel. After that, we break into small groups and we discuss what we've heard. One night, one of the young girls broke down and said that it was her fault, her behavior had caused her to be in the foster care system. Another young girl there spoke up and said, no, you're wrong, it's not our fault. The people in our lives, the adults in our lives have let us down. The whole group surrounded this young girl. We prayed for her, and we kept telling her that this wasn't her fault. That night, I took the young girl who spoke up home to her group home. She shared her story of abuse with me. She started crying and asked me why would God allow something like this to happen to her. I told her I didn't know why. I was sorry that it had happened to her. And through my own weakness and loss of identity, I shared with her my own story of abuse. I told her she was God's treasure, that God loved her unconditionally, and that he would never abandon her, and that it was only because of Christ in my life 
was I able to love the unlovable, to be kind and not expect kindness in return, to forgive because I had been forgiven. I told her to be honest with God about her feelings. Be angry. God could take it. <laughs> yeah. I love that because when we were talking about it earlier this week, too, how important that is when we have conversations with people to allow them to experience God, allow them to be angry with God, especially if they've gone through something so terrible. And I love that you gave her a place. You gave her permission to do that, and you didn't judge her. And you loved her. You shared your own vulnerability and your own life. And you were able to witness in a powerful way. It's pretty cool stuff. How has been uh, witnessing for Jesus? Yeah, and now we've talked not only about this story, but other stories in the neighborhood. I've baptized someone that you witnessed to in the neighborhood, walking the dog. There's all sorts of stories Mary has. She's really good at this, all right. <laughs> and, uh, um, but I wanted to kind of hear you talk about how has being a witness for Jesus to other people, how is that not only a blessing for them, but a blessing for you? Well, my biggest blessing has been because I've found my identity in Christ. And it's only because I'm filled with his love and the power of his spirit that enables me to serve and share the gospel with others. I've had the amazing opportunities to um, volunteer with um, organizations that love and support these foster kids. One of my um, favorite verses is Psalm 68, verse 5 through 6. A father to the fatherless, a defender of the widow. This is God, whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. I never thought that God, when I came back to Orange County, that God was going to place me in an awesome church family like this. I have been blessed by the amazing people, pastors, mentors, friends, and foster kids that God has placed in my life, and I am forever grateful. Yeah, we're grateful for you. You were saying something, too, about Tim Keller. Uh, pastor Tim Keller is a really famous pastor in New York. You said something about Ascension. and some, Could you, what was um, that? I was listening to a sermon uh, that Pastor Keller was giving on Ascension Thursday, and he said that as witnesses of Jesus, it's both a privilege and humbling. A privilege because Jesus is using us to be his witnesses, and it's also humbling because Jesus is using us, his imperfect people, to be his witnesses. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Another part of the question I was going to ask you was not only how has witnessing to Jesus been a blessing to you, but maybe how has it been a blessing to others? And I, you don't know about this part, Mary, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I received an email from Allie Ferguson a few months back. And uh, I want to let you know that you being a witness has not only been a blessing to those you witness to, but to your church family here. And I want to read this email. Uh, it says, uh, and since I'm the crying pastor, I might be crying pretty soon. Uh, <laughs> I've been spending a lot of time with Mary Salgado volunteering with the foster kids. She's got myself and so many others passionate for the cause, loving all these kids who deserve to be loved. A bunch of us volunteer, even my daughter, for the respite Saturdays at St. John's once a month. And I even have a 12-year-old mentee who I spend one-on-one -on -one time with. It's made me feel so good, and I know a lot of others feel the same. My point is Mary is so amazing, I can't even understand the amount of unconditional love that she has for each and every one of these children. It brings tears to my eyes. That makes sense, okay. It brings tears to my eyes. 
I didn't even plan that. Uh, just thinking about it, she is doing so many amazing things. She puts in so much time and effort and so much love, never asking for anything in return. So I feel like she needs to be recognized for all these lives that she is touching. And I'm not sure what, when, or how, but I'd really like the world to know about her and her humongous heart. So what do you think? What do you think? Yeah, that's what we're doing right now. All right. Mary, also, what's that? I, I just wanted to say thank you to this church for all your support. I mean, St. John's, the families that come here, the kids who come here, they feel so loved, so welcomed, and I'm just happy that they think St. John's is a very safe place for, for all these kids to come to, and, and they know that they are going to be loved. So thank you for doing that for all these kids. Yeah, thank you, Mary. Mary shared with me also a verse from Psalm 113. And uh, it talks about uh, settling in a home and settling Mary in a home as a happy mother of children. So on behalf of all the foster kids and all the kids at St. John's in our children's ministry, and on behalf of my own children, I want to say thank you for being a good mom. And happy Mother's Day to Mary, right? So I'm going to pray for you. And I'm also going to pray for all moms and mother figures and this Mother's Day because uh, a lot of times Mother's Day is so awesome, isn't it? It's celebrate, we celebrate great moms and we're thankful for them. But some of you in the room, I know you're struggling with Mother's Day for a variety of different reasons. Maybe you're grieving your mom. Maybe she's gone to be with the Lord. Maybe you didn't have a good mom. Maybe you're struggling with motherhood and you want to be a mom and it's not there yet. I'm telling you there are ways to love as a mother and I hope, in God, hope God will Open all that up for all of us. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Mary. Thank you for her faith, and thank you for her witness. Lord, help us to grow as a church and to share the message of Jesus Christ with others, to witness, to witness to the life change we've experienced, we've seen, and to invite others into that, to tell them about that so they can experience the love of Jesus. Thank you for Mary and her witness. And Lord, I pray that uh, she continues to be able to love all the children you've placed in her life as a mother figure, as a mom, with motherly love. We lift up all moms here in this room today. We thank you for them. Strengthen them by your spirit. Tireless, hard work to be a mom, Lord. So we pray that they're encouraged today. And also lift up to you all those who are struggling with motherhood in some sort of way, whether it's a loss or conviction or some kind of relationship problem, we lift that up to you too. And I pray, Lord, that motherhood and Mother's Day would be redeemed in their, their lives somehow. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.